welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about drawing steel against the villains who wronged you, declaring all for one and one for all. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we'll be talking about making a high fantasy swashbuckling game that feels like diving into chaotic, beautiful combat. But let's probably stop talking about desks. Uh, the last thing I'll say on the subject is that, that I did find recently an L desk that is a, uh, um, I want I want a sitting standing desk, one of those desks that moves up and down. Oh, okay. And the the problem that I have with all of them is that they are almost across the board two legs, which is super weird, and it feels really not secure and yeah. like, stable. Um. And so I found one recently, a company that makes them that makes L desks, like the L bracket desks. Um, and so then it has a third leg. That makes it so funny. I, I can't even picture how that would go up. Yeah, I mean, I have one at work and it is it's more secure than it looks. But okay. It's still something. All right. So let's anyway. get off the topic of desks and onto the anyway, topic that role. we really care about stocks. Uh <laughs> I'm joking. Don't include this. This is dumb. Hey, do you want to talk about a game? Yeah, I think that that's that's what we're supposed to do, right? Yeah. Uh, so as you know, my number one 2021 goal is get Pasión Los Pasiones out and like finish it and get it done. So I'm not working hard on it. On no, on anything else. <laughs> I'm like really try. I'm going like. New ideas. I do not see you. I am not looking at you. I have no interest mm-hmm. in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm blocking immediately any new ideas that come into my world. Except well, this you should. One. You should. You should be. You should be like writing them down and putting them in the in the cabinet. Mm, yeah, that's what I should that's- be doing. <laughs> Instead, I have this mind worm that I cannot get rid of. Yeah, which yeah. is you know how I'm always trying to write a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the time. All the time, always. <laughs> Nearly constantly. Nearly constantly coming up with new fantasy games. I right. could not be less interested in writing a fantasy game. Okay, so the, should me. we cancel this episode? No. Okay. No, no, no. We're already, look, we already, we are, we're already in. We already started talking about desks. We did our bit. Now we're here. We're we are, talking about this we game. Are we are upwards of two minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> that is, we cannot cancel and change topic. No, we have to start talking about desks again. And then. Yeah. Woof. We do all our co- we do all of our co- our cold opens uh, organically, <laughs> so we'd have to find some other top topic to just start talking about. Yeah, uh, and then eventually work our way back. And that would be pretty rough. That would be pretty rough. Uh, anyway, uh, I've started watching The Musketeers, and that is a show about the Three Musketeers. Is that it, a modern show? It came out in like I want to say twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. It might be older than that. Uh, it's from the BBC. And it's like all high production value and stuff. So I think it's got to be pretty modern. Because I think the BBC only recently. Uh, 2014. 2014. Hmm. Okay. So it's, it's older than recent. I thought it was. Uh, it's pretty recent, Brandon. 2014 is seven years ago. <laughs> I've been watching a te- I've been watching <laughs> like Star Trek shows from the late 90s. So yeah, well, I've got 2014 bad news. feels all pretty. All TV from the 90s is garbage. <laughs> Yeah. Look, 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 that's another cold open. Save that for next episode. Let's come back. 
if so you we're think talking we're about gonna remember a cold open from two weeks yes. ago yes. that's not gonna happen yes. there's, i'm gonna there's, write it down there's zero way <laughs> that we come back to that cold open anyway what if we did what if we did you know how like famously <laughs> the lord of the rings has like three or four minutes in the end of the last movie where everyone thinks it's an ending and it fades to black, but yeah. there's more. What if we just did like four or five cold opens at the beginning of every stop back and roll? James, we do four or five cold opens at the beginning of every stop back and roll. Uh, have I not? I never, I, I'll be honest. I don't listen to this podcast. Why would I listen to this podcast? Two nerds talking about games. No, thanks. All right. So I'm looking at this Twitter thread with all of these gifts of people sword fighting. Yes. Uh, because so because basically, I on oh, my favorite gif ever of John Leguizamo. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> maybe we'll link the Twitter thread. And I'll just I'll just read off the URL. It's http http. Um, no. Anyway, three five four nine nine one seven two eight one eight one three zero nine four 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 question mark s. Yeah. So if you are, if you are driving, just pull over, bring it yeah, back ten seconds, in. and type that in. Uh, don't drive while checking out Twitter. No. Basically, D and D, and fantasy all fantasy RPGs feel like D and D to me, right? Like Dungeon right. World is D and D. Uh, I'm gonna give myself in some trouble. Exalted feels like D and D. Like it feels like it has like a mm-hmm. core assumption of D and D. Uh, GURPS fantasy is D and D. Like, it's all based on D and D. Yeah, Starfinder. Star- oh my God, Starfinder is D and D. Pathfinder is D and D. You know, it's it's all D. It's D and D all the way down. Yeah. And the places that are more indie, like the more indie fantasy sorts of games, are potentially not D and D, but they're also not combaty as much, mm-hmm. and to the extent that I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I love combat, and I don't want to do. A game where like the default setting is that you're that like you have a brawny fighter wearing seven layers of armor and like yeah 10 feet behind him is a wizard wearing paper cloths that is going to die the second you look at him because mm-hmm. what i like is everyone in the fray yeah, yeah, yeah um swashbuckling and i like swashbuckling and like i know there's seven c but like it but still has some of the same issue of like if you want to do magic, you're you're gonna just die if someone stabs you. Um and it doesn't it has like it takes there's there's certain things about it that just don't like fully click. And second edition may have fixed that, but I still am drawn to doing my own thing because I like <laughs> weird fantasy. Mm-hmm. And seven C is definitely not weird fantasy, right? Yeah. Like, it's very, it is... It's like, 7C is weird history. It's weird history, yeah. And I don't Not care about history. <laughs> no. Can I tell you my, really quick, without knowing how how you're going to solve your own problem yeah. with, with swashbuckling, here's my one hot take, which I'm I'm almost positive that I've talked about on an episode of Stop, Back, and Roll in the past. Um, my problem with those kinds of combat games yeah. is that they are too slow. Yes. They tr- they're too slow. Agreed. They don't move fast. You can't have swashbuckling unless your combat can move fast. That is exactly what I came to as well. And I don't know if this is going to work to make it fast, but I have a gut feeling that it will. Uh, so my concept is 
that you that everybody is in it. Everybody's swashbuckly. There's some ma- mm-hmm. like everyone can people can do some magic if they want to do some magic. But like uh, your your softest mage is in the middle of things, swinging a sword or a step. If you want a staff, sure. Yeah, um, a and wand. Like, doing that and so like everyone is describing swashbuckling action kind of consistently and so the thing that i think kills momentum the most is uh initiative In- okay and that's kind of solved in indie stuff by like having uh like a gm do the spotlight but i think swashbuckling feels coolest and best when it is kind of like a scuffle of information Mm-hmm. And so part of what I'm trying to do is get that same feeling, which needless to say is a little bit playing with fire like I like <laughs> to do. Uh- yeah. Now, now the one the one concern about the, well, the one problem that I have with the initiative list systems. Yeah. Like PBTA is that often what happens when you have no initiative is that no one does anything. Yes. And that is another thing that I think kills swashbuckling stuff. Yeah. So. We got a group of people, right? They have a bunch of D6s, maybe a couple D8s also. And when a scuffle starts, when a fight starts, you roll all of them. Okay. And so you, uh, I currently, like, I don't know what any numbers are going to look like, but starting it out, each player rolls five Generally six-sided some lines, dice. Some what? curves. G- generally, they have, they have some lines and some oh, curves, yeah. uh, some loops. <laughs> I appreciate it. Have you seen uh, so players will roll uh, five dice that are generic danger dice. They're just like dice mm-hmm. that you always use. And then three dice that associate with like a stat of some kind. Okay. So uh, building like a standard dice pool. Yeah, exactly. But you roll all of them at once every time. Okay. So like uh, your stats are brawn, quickness, arcana, and swagger. Because uh, you're swashbucklers that are possibly magical. And you get three dice that are split in any way between those. Okay. And that kind of just specializes you a little bit. Because what you're basically going to be doing is looking for hits and then using those hits to pull results from a PBTA style move list. Hmm. So danger dice can be used for anything. Uh, oh. You see where I'm Sorry. going? So this is actually, let me... Okay, so you finish that, but then I have a thing, a connection. Okay. I have a move that's very similar to this. Cool. Uh, so, like, danger dice, so, like, your regular dice are used for anything, and then you've got, like, these stat dice to kind of, like, make yourself feel a little different from other characters. Uh, so, uh, basically, once you roll, you see the number of hits, which is five plus, four plus, something, who cares? Uh, and then you just ha- kind of have those hits in front of you. And then you spend a hit one for one to do one of the actions you can do. So like basic actions might be things like grab something from somebody or like do uh, make a hit against somebody or like defend somebody. And then you also might have like more involved abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you might have a quickness ability that lets you like pick somebody's pocket instead of just like grabbing something from their hand. Or you might have a brawn ability that like lets you like pick somebody up and throw them, and like so is everybody rolling at the same time here? Yeah. Or we so okay. So then is everyone using the same move, or are we all saying like like the you and I are going to swashbuckle, but like 
Brian is going to activate his his magic buckle or swash magic or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then there's a thief who's going to activate their pickpocketing move. Uh, so, and so we're all kind of activating different moves, but then playing out the, the scene by spending at the same time. Yeah. So, you're, so you don't really use moves per se, right? Okay. You have options that you're choosing that you're, you basically, uh, the number of hits is kind of like hold in PBTA. And you spend the hold to use one of the options. Okay. So like, uh, you're you're our big you're what kind of character do you want to be? Do you want to be like a brawler type or? Uh, I want to be the wizard. You want to be the wizard? Be okay, a, cool. A swash, a swash, the magic buckler, or a swizzard, a swizzard. I'm a swizzard. A swizzard. Um, swizzard. So, uh, you rolled wizard. your dice, and like it's like okay, we're trying to get, we're trying to, uh, grab the priest and get out of the church. Uh, and there's three guards there, right? And so you're like, okay, I have four successes in front of me. And I'm going to go ahead and spend one to stab one of the guards. It's like, cool, guard is dead. Uh, and then I'm going like, all right. And I'm going to uh, like pull down a curtain and it's just done, right? And so because mm-hmm. we've got the dice in front of us, we can just like basically shout out the actions. Yeah. And so we get like kind of saying, like, things happening. I'm going to spend this die on this action. Yeah. And then I grab it and put it back into my pool. Exactly. To re-roll just, later. And it's just gone. Uh, and it's like just quick. So like we're not going, oh, did I hit somebody? We're mm-hmm. saying like I have hit somebody by doing this because we've already done the roll. Right. right um, yeah. And so like the GM might have stuff that like at the beginning of a round, the GM probably does their action first and says like, okay, you have... Like, these three guards are all going to do one hit against you uh, unless someone blocks it. And then someone says, yeah. okay, cool, I block it. That's one of my dice. And then, like, the action just, like, unfolds quickly. Does the r- number on the die matter? On- uh, I don't know. Um, My guess it- is that we're looking for hits and then okay. just getting the hits in front of us. Unless you have, like, a specific move. Because I could see, like, having an ability that's, like, you know, I spend took, a, a seven on this. Yeah, like I took a shield. I took the shield ability, which means that I only need a roll of three plus in order mm-hmm. to use it as a defensive thing. Oh, that's but interesting. I can't use it for an attack. Okay, so, um, so it's not like a uh like the g like everyone rolls their dice pool and the gm says okay i've got these three dice here which represent these three uh enemy musketeers who are attacking you and those dice are a three a two and a four and then you in order to block them you need to find three dice that are a larger number you're just looking for you're just looking for for raw hits like the gm i don't even know if the gm is going to roll dice for like for like regular like kind of minion characters the gm probably doesn't roll dice it's probably like a guard has an attack action and a guard action. Okay. And so, like, gotcha. if someone says, oh, yeah, I grabbed the priest, uh, the GM could say, mm, guard is using their guard action. And it's okay. like, cool. I spend another die. Like, I spend a die to, to punch the guard in the face, and then I grab the priest. It's like, perfect. So let me tell you how the move neutralize in the veil works. Because I've been playing the veil cool. recently. Um, I've actually... We're about to finish our campaign. So the neutralize is basically one of three attack moves from the veil. Okay. Um, It is the sort of more classic standard attack move. And so the way that it works is you 
well, so first of all, because it's the veil, you describe how you feel uh, in the moment. Yes, of course. Because everything in the veil is connected to your emotions. Uh, and then you roll. And um, it's so it's you're rolling when you use it, when you use force to attempt to neutralize a threat, take control of a situation or maintain hold of something you have with you when there is a chance of taking harm. Okay. So it's whenever you're trying to do something with force where you are at risk of taking harm. And so then it's a standard, like on a 10 plus, you generate three hold and take no harm. On a seven to nine, you generate two hold and will take harm. And and so then, and then what you do is you spend hold one for one during the scene to do things from a list of other moves. Yeah. Or, uh, do things from, from a list, which are inflict harm, take away advantage, suffer little harm, force a change of location, or impress dismay or frighten your, your opponent. Awesome. That is... That is really similar yeah. to what I'm talking about. Yeah. But with it's this, the idea would be that that's the entire game. Like, that's the entire yeah. framework for the yeah, game. Yeah, I like that. Um, and, now, then, and then really advancement in that sounds like what you're doing is adding more things to spend currency on. Basically. Yeah. I, I think there's a couple different ways you could have advancement. You could get more dice. You could get new things to spend on. Mm-hmm. Or you could get things like, like an ability to count a lower result as a, as a hit for specific things. Yeah, I really I li- I like the idea that you I I so if I were designing this game, which yeah, I'm not because you're designing this game. Um, I'm not. Maybe we're designing I am it together. Specifically, you're, not designing this game. If I were designing this game, <laughs> I would say you have basic moves, or you have your basic things yeah. like uh, attack. Uh, swash, buckle, whatever. Like your exactly. defend, your your move location, kind of things. Um, your intercept or whatever. Yeah, uh, defend would all like all the kind of standard swashbuckling actions, and those would be things where. So when you roll the dice, uh, if you're rolling d sixes, then a, a four, five, or six is a success. Yeah, or whatever it is, and then you just need to spend a success to do one of those things. Yeah. Um, and then I would say have other things that are like maybe i have the uh a move that lets me uh step into a shadow and appear somewhere else on the on the battlefield and that one is one that i have to spend a six dice to to do oh interesting Uh, like like specifically find a die that has a six on it or um maybe shoot a magic missile is one that specifically has to have a one on it so then it's like things that are not where you're not looking necessarily for successes you're looking for a specific number Mm. I hadn't I, I hadn't really thought about that. I could see it. Um but like that also roll- can be there's there's one thing that's nice about this is there is a fair amount of play possibility, right? Um because you could do something that's like this is an exceptionally hard thing to do. Like on a like you you take the the headsman ability and on a 6 you behead an enemy and it's like yeah. Mm-hmm. I killed him. I don't need to worry about anything else. Um, or you could do something that's like, you are an excellent shot and you don't tend to miss. And so a three or higher counts as a hit specifically for shooting people. Yeah, for that so for that result move thing. Yeah, so you, like, you've rolled your dice and like you've spent all your hits and you're looking and you're like, oh, I've still got two more hits. Uh, I shoot that guy and shoot that guy. Well, that's where, that's where I was thinking. If you have all these things that you could do, the base ones are as long as it's a hit 
and then you have other things that you can do mm-hmm. that are maybe maybe it's a specific number, maybe it's a broader band, maybe it's a narrower band of yeah. success. Oh, totally. That, that, it does run the risk of slowing you down a little bit, but that's why they would have to be kind of like big, broad strokes. Yeah, I had only been thinking in terms of raising the band, but you're absolutely right. Having a smaller band also completely works. Um, and my intention is not for characters to have like a ton of abilities. Yeah. Like my thinking was, I initially said you get four tricks. I don't know if that's right or not. And anything you do outside of battle will be the kind of thing that like you just do. Mm-hmm. Like you might have a trick that lets you, uh, you know, I'm going for very, very mm-hmm. much swashbuckly things. So like training somebody in a fight, like training some, like sword training somebody is a very swashbuckler movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that would be something that's mm-hmm. like you do it. And then that ha- might have a benefit that might have a story thing that changes right then. And it'll probably also have something to do with a fight. So if you've got, if you've got four tricks, yeah. Just say hypothetically, it's four. Yeah. You get four tricks. You want to learn a new one because you level up or whatever. Yeah. Do you get a fifth trick? Do you replace one of the old tricks? You probably get a new trick. I don't. I haven't thought too much about like what advancement looks like. I could definitely see that becoming too cumbersome. Like I think if you have six or seven tricks, you're starting to go like, yeah. I have too many things to pay attention to. But you could also do things like add a new style die or like mm. make it so that like change the the range on something. Um I don't know. That, that I I feel like I'm not far enough yet for that. Um So what if? Yeah. What if um you have four tricks when you keep it keep it tight? Um, when you, if you advance or pick up a new tr- or like you train with someone, yeah. maybe I kind of I kind of like the idea of when you train with someone, you can pick up one of their tricks. Oh, that's neat! Like literally learn one of the things that they do. Um, but then you just replace one of your old tricks because you're focusing on the four things that you do in combat all the time. Well, um, my thinking was that like the training with somebody thing would be like you took the trick of teacher. Mm. Um, or like sword forms or something like that. And so like if you've run the sword forms with somebody, then you can shout out to them and like instruct them to do a thing and allow them to do Ooh. it in some way. That that would let you um I don't know how this would work in lore, but that would allow you to do things like have have the the commander type role yeah. characters where like you can only do the, like you can do this move because I'm in combat and I say hey go do this yeah and like and then you can choose to do it or not I feel like that would be a really satisfying fun move to take like if you are yeah. like you're Treville from the Musketeers and you trained with people and you have a move that lets you that lets you protect somebody better let's say. And you're not close enough to protect somebody, but uh, your buddy o- and or like you don't even have the moves for like you've run out of hits at this point, uh, but mm-hmm. your friend over there can. You just say, "Oh, uh, I've been training him. This is my this is my use of that. They can use my trick of protecting somebody for one of their dice." I do. Before we move on, want to hit this joke though, which is <laughs> okay. Please make this joke. 
So you've got your you've got your four tricks, and we would want a little bit more complexity. So we would want like a really light, maybe like rock paper scissors uh, system on top of that for your attacks, just to like add a little bit of complexity. Uh, and then to keep things simple while you're doing the swashbuckling, uh, we would restrict the players to only saying their own names. Um, and then I think perfect, yeah, we have a a perfect Pokemon game. Yeah, and like something like like a teacher trick is maybe like something like helping hand, yeah, or like follow me. Cut. Yeah. That's Why, not- sir? <laughs> Except those have nothing to do with teaching somebody things. <laughs> This is you teach someone how to surf. Look, it's a Pokemon game. Mirror move. Um, uh, but yeah, so like basically that would be the concept, and like I obviously there's more to it. Mm-hmm. I, I think I like that. I I really want to capture the feeling of like the first off, like the ruffian adventure, like that you don't have a good social place. That like you go up to anyone who is a commoner and they're like, oh, you're a you're a musketeer, you're important, you're a gentleman, whatever. And so like they but so they don't really fully welcome you. And like you've got the nobility that can order you around and tell you to do stuff, and like you hang out with them, but like you're definitely not one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh and like, you know, you know me, there's gotta be romance involved and twisted twisted combinations of stuff. Uh and so like part of I think part of character creation is going to be making like one of those like basically like a telenovela web with some important players. But instead yeah. of being like you have two contacts, you have two contacts. It's instead like you are in love with this person. This <laughs> person is working with this person who killed your father. And there we go. Now we've got everybody plotting against each other. One of the nice things about the idea that everyone would roll together is that then once you sort of like you roll, everyone spends a moment to organize their dice. Yeah. And then you basically enter into a round of combat that is more like storytelling. Yeah. Than it is like resolving combat. So like I had, um, I, I wish I could remember. I'm almost positive. We talked about this in an episode, but I had once pitched an idea for a swashbuckling style game like this. Uh, but my solution to the because which was basically trying to get the same thing. But my yeah. solution to the problem was that you would have uh, a set of dice that were like your attack, defense, or like they were your 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 sword. You you had a sword. You had I think you had a sword die, a magic die, um, and a couple oh, other I dice. This. Yeah, and you rolled, and then whatever your attack roll was, it became your defense roll when someone had tried to attack you. Yeah, to try to specifically hit the like. Uh, the thing that slows combat down is that moment where we have to be like, okay, I added this together. What's the thing I'm trying to hit? Does yeah. this number, is it higher than that number? Uh, I, but I don't know that number because you're the GM and you're hiding it from me. So now you have to think, is that number whatever? Yeah. Um, and it's now, it's just a quick, like, I roll a D20. This is the 14. I can see that your defense is a seven. So I win. Yeah. So I score a hit. But now the 14 is my defense. So then I have to wonder, like, do I attack and lose that 14 and risk rolling a lower number? Or do I do it because I'm I'm on a roll? Right, because you were really trying to get, like, that feeling of, like, a duel going back and forth. Yeah, the bouncing back and forth. Yeah. And I think I think I made me kind of, like, more for, like, a melee feeling. Mm-hmm. Although I, the intention would be also that you'd have, like, signature named enemies that have 
more actions to work with. So that like when you go to when you go to stab the evil musketeer, uh, they've got like a block ready that they can throw up. Yeah. 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 Cause there's always that moment where you have to like you have to fight your way through the courtyard full of of the random uh minions before yeah. the the big musket like the big evil musketeer exactly. steps out of their mansion. And ideally you do that with a similar enough system that mm-hmm. it can both happen at the same time so that you can flow in and out of who is fighting the big scary musketeer. Yeah. 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 I mean I think that that could sim if you wanted to keep everything very samey then the way that you could do that would just be assign every mook one die yeah and you roll everything and then when they take a hit you remove that die from the pool and they've been knocked out of combat i think that and is then, pretty much the the idea so you f- you start off as the gm rolling a big pool of dice that represent a crowd of people and then you have your your big evil swashbuckler and then they have their own pool that's just them as one person but a billion yeah. they spend Exactly. And like they have presumably more things that they can pull from, you know, there's no reason you couldn't essentially build them more similarly to like a player character. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, or know, exactly like a player character. That's true. Yeah. Because like, honestly, the, uh, like the guard characters that I was talking about are already exactly like a player character. They're just a player character with very few danger very dice. To die. Yeah. 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 It also lets you do the thing where, um, let's by it would let you do the thing um sorry so my brain is thinking about this you would want to make sure um that the so there's always there's always that moment where the multiple multiple swashbucklers are always fighting one bad guy yeah he's holding off like four people at the same time yeah and so you'd want to make sure that they had enough die to be able to do that exactly yeah i feel like you'd want to make sure that any major villain it has enough power to be able to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And also this would be an easy system to make them more powerful. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you defeat, you defeat the baddie this time and they get away and next time. And then you GM just like draws a little check mark and it's like, okay, now they've got one more dice. Next time we fight. <laughs> oh, oh, I wonder if you could slowly, um, you could slowly increase the size of the dice they have. That would, yeah. Cause that would keep- also work. Right. If you're if you're keeping if you're mostly doing like uh, a success is anything over a four and then the first time you face them all that like they have a, a pool of d sixes yeah and then they come back and the next time they have two d eights as well or it's, they've horrifying. upgraded a couple of their d sixes <laughs> up to d eights now they can they can do better maybe you go into the and then like if you literally did it as a every time you face them the next time they come back with a couple of their dice kicked up a dice size by That'd the end so you're cool. like there's like a whole bunch of them and like the GM rolls up a whole bunch of D20s. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that'd be awful. <laughs> uh, but like, then you can get, I feel like then your, because your characters presumably are also improving potentially yeah. in the same way. Like, there's no reason that it needs to stay all D6s. I think, except that people have more D6s than they have D8s. Uh, but maybe this is a game. I have more D10s to... than anything else. I've got a ton of D10s, actually. Yeah. I think more I, I... D6s than anything else, but then D10s. Uh, but I have, then... more, I have more pirate coins than anything else. 
can we work pirate coins into this? I once we have a new looking. section on this podcast where James and I hold up things that we have. <laughs> uh, these are cartel dice. They have a pretty skull on them. Um, <laughs> we have a new section of the podcast where I go, hey, I bought this thing and then never used it. Can we write a game that requires me to use it? Because uh, like, I bought a lot of fake gold pirate coins a while ago for okay. a 7C a, a campaign that I never ran. And like, I would like more things to use gold pirate coins with. Well, okay, so for the GM characters, for the NPCs, we don't want to waste time with the GM counting successes. Oh yeah, they just they just have coins. They, have they just have coins. coins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That makes I sense. got you. Yeah. Love, love, I feel like I feel like you do want the like major enemies to roll dice. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's fun. But because uh, it gives them the opportunity to because it gives the it gives the the big bad guy the opportunity to botch yeah. a bunch of their rolls, and you don't really want the mooks to botch. Because they're yeah. just going to do like a one or they're going to do one or two things like ever. And ever. you want them to always do it. Yeah. Like you yeah. don't want to have three guards and it's like, okay, nobody does anything. Yeah. You, you just slaughtered a three guards <laughs> completely which, innocent. Which is a problem that I had actually running quest. Um, mm. I made um, so like there's a thing that I learned about quests, which is that you want to make some of your villains. So when you're when you're balancing, they do this. They have a whole bunch of like balancing uh, math. They suggest yeah. where it's like, here's all your players add this number of points for their health and their whatever, blah, blah, blah. The amount of damage they can maximum do in one turn. And then that's the number you're trying to hit when you build out your NPCs. But yeah, what I built too broadly and spread those numbers out. So I had like a whole bunch of two point uh, enemies. And oh, okay. In Quest, Quest is one of those games where uh, all of the players go first, and then all of oh. the NPCs go. So they're and just so, wrecking <laughs> everybody. Was just they wiped out everyone, and so those NPCs never got to do anything. Oh my gosh, that's good. Um, and so next like time I was like, all right, cool. Need to make make my villains a little sturdier. Yeah, I feel like with this, like the battle flow is like. The GM declares who the guards are attacking, like through who like mm-hmm. the low level people are attacking, and holds back a couple of actions as like defensive things. And the players go between those two things. Yeah. So it's like, okay, the guards are uh the guards are attacking uh are uh, you and uh this other player, and uh I've got two actions held so that when you say like Okay, I uh, grab onto the the book and run. They can the GM can say like, "Oh, uh, you're being fired at." That causes you to not be able to grab the book. Yeah, well, because because most of the time, if you're playing these kinds of like gentlemen swashbucklers, yeah, they're not attacking first; they're waiting for the, the bad guys to attack them. Exactly, so it makes sense that combat is initiated by the GM saying, "Here's my five coins; these three are attacking." Yeah. You, you, and you. How do you handle this? And then, and then that also frees things up to be largely player driven during the fight, because the players yeah. can do like, here's the cool thing, and like the GM should obviously be describing and joining in how cool this fight is, but the GM has already done eighty percent of, of their yeah. their mechanical work. Hmm. 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 Yep. 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 It's very okay. interesting. And here's okay. Here's where it takes a weird turn. Okay. 
I don't want this to be a Three Musketeers game. Okay. I want this to be a high fantasy game. Okay. So what does that mean to you? That means I want tricks like bite. That like you have like a massive jaw and like you are like if you're like making like a lizard man, right? Mm-hmm. You want to have like a big jaw that can bite people. Okay. Uh, and so the tricks, but I don't want to do like choose your character race and then choose yeah, your, ta- no. your tricks. I want to just, you just do your tricks. And so there will probably yeah. be a tricks that trick that's like, you can fly. Here's XYZ information about that. Uh, and so the tricks are going to be weird potentially. Uh, cause they also have to be a little specific. Like it can't be like you cast all magic. Mm-hmm. It has to be like, this is the magical thing that this you can do. This is the do. spell you cast. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like that. I like that better. Um, I think, I think that's going to be fun. Like I was, it was occurring to me that like, uh, what's, what's the fantasy series with the person who binds stuff to walls. Is that Mistborn? Am I thinking of Mistborn? I don't know. I don't think so. Mistborn's all about eating metal. <laughs> it's all about crunching on some metal. <laughs> That's, mm. <laughs> yeah, crunch Delicious. on metal. Oh, I think I'm thinking of... Am I thinking of Patrick Rothfuss? I don't think so. Uh, There's maybe. a thing with someone running down a hallway and like using magic to bind things to each other. And, like, bind two be. things together okay. would be a really good arcana ability. The nice thing about high fantasy yeah. is that, and especially high fantasy where you're kind of, like, building ad hoc characters like this, yeah, is that there's almost always room to say, um, so you have the ability that is, like, take two things and stick them together forever or whatever. Yeah. Um, and if I'm playing a wizard character then I take that, okay, and the way that I do that is that I cast a spell, because that's the spell that I learned. But if you're playing uh, a rogue, maybe what you have is some powder that does that for you, or you have a special set of gloves. It's a magical item for you that does that thing. I had been thinking that tricks would be categorized into different stats, but I could cut stats entirely. I I might not need stats. I don't know why you need stats. Maybe it's just you roll 66. Because that's yeah. your danger. Roll 66 dice. Roll 66 dice. Yes, a lot of dice, but yeah. that's how we're doing it. <laughs> that's how we're doing it. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the benefit to having stats is. What's, yeah, what I don't were know you thinking is. the benefit is? The reason I was thinking that there was a benefit was that I was thinking that it makes your characters a little more different from each other. And so then it encourages you to do the actions that your character is like. Well, um, but I don't know if that's necessary because you, you've, you've only got like you've got four cool things that you do. You're going to want to do the cool things you do. So here, I guess this gets into like what your advancement system looks like. Yeah, but I could see a way that you. So you have four stats written on this piece of paper, brawn, yeah. quickness, arcana and swagger and say you could use stats not to dictate the dice you're rolling, but the number of tricks that they have, and then still categorize the tricks. Yeah. Um, and so then if I raise my arcana from one to two, now I can pick a second arcana trick. Um, right. Which still pushes people into uh, 
the kind into into specific like sort of magic-y characters or or attacking characters something like that um i like the idea though of of if you're like in an attempt to continue to avoid the dungeons and dragons problematic race thing i yeah. really like the idea of like having descriptors or tricks and then working back like that's what you that's what you choose and then you work backwards from that you say yeah. okay uh, my character has the ability to stick two things together how do they do that is that because they're magic or is that because they have magic items that let them do that or can they bite people because they are a lizard person or are they just a uh, a human dude who is just chomping on people <laughs> just chomps uh and yeah so and you know me i am obsessed with the idea of random character creation yeah it occurred to me that if i don't make these character trees like if i don't make it feet lists that are like build on each other that you could like just run a quick generator Mm -hmm. and get four tricks and make your character yeah which would be great like just to be able to say like all right i got quick draw bite fly and whatever I am this thing. Yeah. And then and then you work backwards from that to say yeah. how, how does that make any sense? Yeah. Or like. if if you're like I really want to play a D&D elf, then you go, "Okay, I have a ranged ability. I have something that makes me better at sensing things." Mm-hmm. Um and I have elf songs. And boom, ready to rock. Yeah. Interesting. I like this. Um, I'm trying to think because is there anything we're missing here? I like so you have a big long list of abilities um, that are not like a, they're not abilities. They're just things that you can spend uh, dice on, basically. Um, yeah, and like they're some of them. Like I was, I'm, I'm playing big. I'm like really goofing around pretty hard with like trying out bizarre stuff and so like, i came up with the idea of like uh y- if you roll a one like if you take the spiteful luck trick then if you roll a one you can flick that one at another player's dice if you knock <laughs> some dice off the table then you describe how you had like some big calamitous crash into them and those dice are mm-hmm. off the table they're done until the next round it does let you scale nicely because you can do things like say like most of your abilities are spend a die to do whatever. And yeah. then you can have maybe you have the huge fireball spell that costs three dice. Yeah, you could definitely do that. Or you could say this requires a five or a six instead of a like this requires a five plus or a mm-hmm. six plus instead of a four mm-hmm. plus. So what do we do? So I guess um, the other question is say there are four people. Yeah, and we all roll. So there's 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 four heroes and the big bad guy. Yeah, the GM is running. Uh, we all roll our dice. Uh, we run through our moves, but two of the people uh, rolled fewer successes. So they like have spent all of their dice. Now, what do they do for the rest of the the combat? Well, the idea would be the combat would be pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, and we're not going in like order. Yeah, so if yeah, you yeah. see, like, if you rolled and you got one move... Oh, you might just hang on to your rolls. And make it important, yeah. Um, or okay. you might be like, cool, I attack this person. And then and maybe maybe there's, like, a system that... There's probably some kind of 
in terms of uh, HP and stuff, I was a little interested in Cartel's HP system, which has like a stress thing that you build up stress and then you need to let that stress out in some way. Um, and it's dark and horrific in Cartel, uh, but it's would be presumably more fun in this. Uh, and so maybe you can spend stress to like take an additional action as if you got another hit. Mm. Um, to like really encourage you to, to do the thing. And I think that, that like getting, getting hit is a very bad thing. Like yeah. no one, like people in swashbuckling musketeers stuff, they, they take one hit, two hits and they're down. One of the, one of the things that I've been on recently that I really like is um so I've been, again I've been playing the veil and the way yeah. the veil works is you have all these you have your six emotions that are how you how you like are seed and, and interact with the world the way that it works is every time you make a move you choose an emotion and every time you make a move with an emotion you check you check a box next to that yeah. stat so that you are, you're almost always adding a, a checkbox. So if I say that I'm feeling powerful, because powerful is my big powerful, is my my plus two. And so we're yeah. in combat and I want to feel powerful. Um, I keep, every time I make a move with powerful, I check a box next to powerful. When I fully mark all of the five boxes next to powerful, then you, you shift into like a different f- uh, phase. I guess a phase is kind of a state. Okay. Where now you are, it's the the word in in the veil is spiked out, but what it practically okay. means is now you can only use powerful. Like you, you're fu- you're like you're fully in that emotion. Like the the better example is actually like mad. If yeah, you, if you once you're you do so enough, pissed off that you're so pissed off, or like you're you're very scared. You're always acting from that emotion, and then it change cha- whatever your bonus is for it. It changes to a plus one. And your bonus for everything else changes to a negative two. Okay. And then you have the option to, uh, to to just do one of the things that you, that is the negative two, and then you kind of like you you focused on acting in a different emotion, so you shake it off, and now you're not spiked out anymore. Or you can keep using the emotion that you have the plus one in, uh, and then once you do that five times, then you sort of worked let 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 that like emotional like like rage take its course. Oh, but I really like cool. this. I it is a very cool thing. I like the I but I, I'm like I've been really thinking mechanically uh, recently about. I love. I, I did a little bit of a Twitter thread um, the other day about um, things. So like, st- in, in the uh, the thing that we have talked about a couple times is. Um, where there are games that have me- like sort of mechanics first, like D and D is very mechanics first game. Yeah. By which I mean, I the player declare that I'm engaging a mechanic. We roll, and then it tells us what the narrative is. I say yes. I would like to try to lie. We roll, and then depending on my roll, tells us how well I lied. Um, versus something like masks, where I declare that I'm attacking, and then narratively describe that, and then we sort of like. That always has happened, uh, and then we roll to see what the fallout from that was. So that's where the 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 sort of the the narrative triggers the mechanic. And I was looking for things that don't fit into one of those two categories of either player triggers a mechanic to figure out some narrative, or player does some narrative to trigger a mechanic. And I like this sort of veil like mechanic system where it's it's based off of player action but other things can, so other things can cause you to to spike your emotions 
And it's sort of a tertiary or secondary effect from the attack that you also happen to just mark the, then you're not saying I'm going to, I'm trying to like rage out here or I'm trying to become scared. You're trying to do other things. And then as a consequence of that, uh, you're marking stuff that causes the game to shift into a different sort of, uh, into a different phase, a different state. Um, that's cool. I don't know. I don't know that there's a. Um, so I've been looking for a place to like add that to something here. Um, yeah. I don't know that it necessarily fits. Um, but I feel like. I feel so. I feel like. In terms of like changing states with this, I I could see there being a state where you're like, where you're too stressed out to to do x y or z thing Mm -hmm. you know like but i I wouldn't want to like hamper maybe like you're too stressed out so you can't defend yeah kind of reasonable sort of thing what i i think what i so the other thing that i look for whenever we talk about a swashbuckling game the, Mm -hmm. the other thing that i want is um is to bring in the like who like the sort of the fencing like right of way style yeah. stuff of like who is like like it, it's the the classic um princess bride uh fights there's always like one person driving the other person backwards and then they switch and the other person drives them forwards so like mm-hmm. who is the one driving conflict and where are they going and how are they moving who is initiating here and i wonder if something like that wouldn't be um like maybe if like maybe if you so I guess the the question is how much do you I, no, never mind because I think you don't want to lock people off to fighting only one person, which is what you might do if you were doing a, a three musketeer style game. I I could I'm honestly not sure. Like I I don't think I want a thing where like uh where you're fighting where one person is fighting the big bad and someone else like from twenty feet away just like shoots the big bad down. <laughs> Because, yeah. like, that's, like, really unsatisfying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I could see something that's, like, if you are fighting a named NPC, they're a, it's a 1v1. Yeah. But so what I was thinking was maybe you have, like, a, um, a right-of-way track that's, like, if I declare that I'm attacking you, then I mark one on that track, and then you are now defending my attack as I, mm-hmm. as I sort of move forward towards you. Then you have to do something to respond to that. And then if I attack again, then we then I mark a second track. But if I hit if I mark it a third time, now you have taken the right of way and I have to start moving backwards and, and maybe that limits some of your attack versus defend. Um Oh, that's interesting. It kind of it would force like a sh- uh, a narrative shift in the yeah. in the combat, which is interesting. I worry about that being a little bit um just overcomplicating things. It might be. But I also I also could see an issue where like uh where combats that are like one v one kind of things mm-hmm. get a little unsatisfying because it's just I attack, I defend. I attack, I well, defend. So maybe maybe what it is is um maybe you have a dual mechanic. That's true. So you declare yeah. I'm going to fight you. And yeah. then we focus on that subset, either either that subset of the fight, or it's probably for a scenario in which we you and you and I are the only two people fighting. Yeah, 
versus Maybe. sort of a free-for-all typical high fantasy fight. Because th- that could even be a thing where, like, if you're in a duel, if you're if you de- if a duel is declared at like the beginning of a fight, then or like you've gotten to each mm-hmm. other, whatever. Then on maybe on subsequent rounds, you don't roll everything at once, and you roll hmm. the dice out one at a time to kind of like get the results coming through live. Oh, my pushback on that is that I I do like the so if you roll all the dice at once, then yeah. that duel can happen very fast because yeah. pr- so actually like so the, this is the other thing. The speed I was is the speed is I feel like this like speed is what is going to make this work break make or break you know. Yeah. So um, imagine for a second, if you will, um, not check boxes, but a uh, like a fencing uh, piece. Uh, kind of a like a strip of paper that has sections yeah. on it or, or even just like you just have sections marked out on a table you declare that we're going to duel this is the big thing that's happening and then i say i'm going to attack or maybe um mm, mm, okay so maybe you have a token or something like that or maybe i'm trying to sorry i'm having a whole lot of ideas all at once here so you have a token and i say i'm going to i'm going to use this attack to attack you and i push the token one step further t- closer to you yeah um it maybe it starts in the middle and then I push it closer to you. And then you have to do something to respond to my attack. And then I can go again and I can push it forward to you. But when I hit a certain point close to you, now you're the person who, like, now I've bounced off the back wall. And now you push it closer to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's sort of dictating who is who is driving the, the story here. And if we have all of our dice rolled out in advance, then going... And, and because we're not worrying about the other people who are involved in this combat, because it's just the two of us, that that duel can now go very fast. Yeah. Here's an idea. Okay. I have a thought. When you defend, okay, first off, just like, here's a thing that makes defending more narratively interesting. Mm -hmm. When you defend, you reset the scene of that fight. Okay. So like you attack me, you describe how you've attacked me. And I'm like, great, I jump back onto the table and, like, block your strike and you follow up and, like, now we're fighting on the table. Um, and so that gives, like, just, like, a little more movement mm-hmm. instead of it just being, like, I block, I, I attack, I defend, oh, it's, attack, so that, I defend. That's so, okay, so, and I think, okay, that's good. I like that a lot. And the thing that makes that interesting is that then I have to, it gives me a little bit of choice or gives mm-hmm. us a little bit of choice because I can choose to spend one of my next dice on an attack where yeah. maybe maybe so you swing off of the chandelier and kick me with two feet in the chest and I fall over. And so then that's your attack. And then do I spend one to attack you from the floor where I just sort of like roll out of the way, dodging one of your 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 uh, sword thrusts, but I've got my sword up now and I, from the ground, try to just like sweep your leg? Or yeah. do I spend it on defending in which case i put get pushed backwards into a table but then i can kind of like do a roll over the table and now i can redefine the narrative of where we are positioned against each other and yeah and reset the scene so i don't do, to defend i don't do any damage but i i control the narrative of where yeah. we are and that is helpful because this isn't dungeon crawls yeah you know like this is always going to be like this is the intrigue drama that's going on 
and how you are how it is fully above your head and yet you are still in charge of solving it yeah and it's like oh this is the list of people that you're not allowed to kill this is the list of people that you are allowed to kill and you're going to be dealing with both of them and like there will like because using a defend action would be a really good way to like get to a window yeah and uh get out the window or even just like line it up so that someone else can take an attack at you. Yeah. And so and you know what we could also do with that? If two people, if the GM and the player both want to be the attacker, the person with the higher die mm. is the one who does the attack. So if it's a okay. 5 or a 6, maybe if we want that priority or we just say the GM goes <laughs> you go ahead. Yeah, I think it's probably whoever declare like whoever initiates the fight. Yeah, probably. Whoever sets down their 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 tankard of ale first and draws. <laughs> interesting, interesting, interesting. I like this a lot. Yeah, so that's kind of um, where I am with stuff. Um, obviously, that is not an enormous amount of content yet. No, um, um, it does do the nice thing of um, I <laughs> in the continuing story of I could pick things up and show them to you in the middle of this audio <laughs> podcast. Um, I bought the the quest core set like deck, mm, yeah. Um, because quest has these discrete kind of a- abilities that you get, yeah. Um, and so it means that you can build a little deck of them and have like cards in front of you that are the rules for those mechanics. Yes, and that is so something you, I love. And uh, it and they are absolutely gorgeous cards. Um, I think I spent more card on the cards than I did on the game. Uh, and it's so <laughs> worth it because they're they're just absolutely gorgeous. And so yeah. having something like that where I could have my attack card and I could have my my bite card and my magic missile card and my yeah. stick things together card. And like, how cool would it be to be able to just like go to like an online generator? Because indie games don't usually get online generators. Yeah, and just hit the button and it's like, here are your four things. Here is your uh. I, I feel like I'm going to have, like, maybe some kind of, like, uh, virtue and sin that your character has that are, like, the ways that they let off steam, essentially. So, like, because, like, in The Musketeers, all of the characters essentially have, like, a virtue and a sin of, like, this is how, this is what they're like when they're performing at their best. This is the, where they brood. Um, and so, like, having those tie in to NPCs that are all tied in with each other. So that when you're like, oh, uh, my character who is a drunk is going to go ahead and go to the bar and and get fully trashed to like because things have gone so poorly for him. And someone else says, oh, well, the the bartender is my ex. Uh, So that's awkward now. (laughs) And like have like all of those things just tied in together. Because most of these stories also don't have a lot of... They've got, like, a lot of characters, but they don't have, like, an infinite cast of characters. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of... Uh, I, I can't find it off the top of my head. But the other thing that it would allow you to do that's really cool is... Um, I think it's Lancer, the, the mech game. Okay. has a Twitter bot that you can tweet at and say, hey, give me an NPC. And it Perfect. generates you a quick block of code that is yeah. the, a Twitter bot. You could just be like, hey, swashbuckle bot, give me a, a swashbuckle villain. And it would just pick three of f- three or four abilities. Totally. Uh, and hand you an NPC. Yeah. And that's good. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. 
or yeah. even just like build abilities from stock words, depending on how granular you wanted to get. Probably not that granular, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I don't know. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be fun because like th- this is a fun thing that it's able to be like that I can just make something up, you know? Yeah, I I, like, I um. I was actually thinking about revisit in my the more I focus on trying to finish space between the more my brain <laughs> screams, hey, what if you made another game? Uh, <laughs> and I was trying I was thinking about revisiting my 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 sort of like dice uh, attack defense combat, whatever I called it, like the beat system or something. I forget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so this is interesting. I might have to do some thinking on this uh, yeah, if- for next episode uh, to see if we can't. If, if you feel thing. like doing this for next episode, we could try to work out like what all the action, like the base actions. I may actually have base actions come up with by <laughs> then, but we can always go over them and then yeah, talk about re- it a bit. redefine and fiddle and everything like that. I might focus on trying to think of some dueling rules to engage to do some dueling. Sure, how I want that move back and forth initiative thing to work. Yeah, um, interesting. All right, so I think so, yeah. I think we should wrap this episode up because. Uh, it is, after all, just the first episode of this year. Yes, uh, exactly. We don't want to go too long in the first episode. We don't want to go too long. Um, 2020. No, no, no. <laughs> 2021. Is that, is that a bridge too far? It's too far. <laughs> um, but so you can find us both on Twitter at Stop Back and Roll or individually I am at and the Meltdowns. And I'm at B. Leon Gambetta. Uh, you can find all our episodes in iTunes, Spotify, or at www.stopbackandroll.com, as well as uh, whatever podcatcher you use. <laughs> and uh, www.podcastmouthfeel.com. Both <laughs> of the URLs, I believe, now work. We make this podcast the support of our Patreon backers. We have a couple new backers we'd like to thank. Um, uh, Laurie Asmuth, and I'm sorry I'm going to get your last name probably pronounced wrong, but uh, Ryan Asthemer. Um, as well as thank some of our old favorites like Randy Lubin, Penny Von Batavia, Justin Hunter, Polyamorous Q, Sean Knight, Lou Tennant, Rob Abrazado, and David Gibb. If you'd like to help support our show and any future shows we make, uh, you can check us out at patreon.com slash stop hack and roll. If you can't support us financially, support our community by becoming a part of it. Come tell us about the games you're working on over at our Discord at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stopbackandroll.com. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and roll my 66. Uh, It looks like I got three hits on this. I'm going to go ahead and use my actions to not forget to stop, hack, and roll. This is the first time in like an entire year that I've had to take a second take on it. And I had to take a third take too. Good lord.